That roar of the crowd that you hear is the appearance of Phil Woosnam into the ball game for Graham Newton. Phil Woosnam in and Graham Newton out. This is the starting combination, or the, rather the combination three weeks ago that scored two of the goals for the Chiefs in their 3-2 victory over Manchester. All right, the ball batted around at midfield where Coleman has it. He gets by John Cocking going down the left side. Stan Bowles ahead of him. Passed too far for Bowles. Picked up by the Chiefs. Vic Crow up to Woosnam. Woosnam at midfield to the right of center. Still going. Starts to cut into the middle now. Pass on his left wand to Vic Crow. Crow gets it into the middle. A header. Wow! Just over the nets. Emmett Kapengui made a diving header with the ball and it just went over the bar. Welcome to Good Seats Still Available, a curious little podcast devoted to exploring what used to be in professional sports. Here's your host, Tim Hanlon. All right, let's do this, friends. How are you? Thank you so much for coming by uh, to our little uh, podcast uh, corner of the world. My name is Tim Hanlon, your uh, humble and congenial host, and uh, the podcast that you have landed on, either by accident or by design, is called Good Seats Still Available. As you know, or probably know, or should know, uh, it is our little journey every week into what used to be in professional sports. I uh, welcome you to it, and uh, we're going to take a little bit of a diversion this week. Um, we, we've spent almost a year now uh, in uh, sort of getting our, our sea legs, I guess, in this topic uh, of uh, teams and leagues and, and, and the various stories around them that, uh, for whatever reasons, no longer are around, and, and frankly, trying to unearth some of the... Uh, the memories and 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 uh, and anecdotes uh, uh, about all of them, and um, you know, one area that we've yet to really tackle that I've I've been meaning to, uh, and it's become over the last couple of years, especially through folks like uh, uh, Uniwatch and uh, uh, some of the folks uh, who obsessively uh, cover things like logos and design and uniforms and, and all those kinds of things, and I guess today and in today's modern social media driven world. Uh, the ability to take uh, 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 quick snaps and or uh, screenshots from TV broadcasts of uh, various, uh, you know, cool logo designs or uh, malfunctions, shall we say, of wardrobe. Um, uh, it's just more of an obsession, I think, uh, now than there ever was before. Um, but we really haven't uh, talked to anybody sort of from the artistic community, whether they be graphic designers uh, or logo uh, creators or... Uh, simply artists who covered some of these sports. Uh, you have to remember, especially in um, in decades past, um, you know, artwork uh, was a, a key element for things like uh, uh, programs and and media guides and and ticket stubs. And um, I, while some of those indeed still last today and and are part of the the design elements of today, they were much more pronounced uh, in years past. And in some respects, almost sort of uh, literally and figuratively, a lost art. Uh, that is that sports and art have uh, obviously gone uh, almost hand in hand together over the over the decades, especially as uh, a litany of uh, of for us uh, pro leagues and teams that have sort of come and gone, uh, you know, perhaps sometimes splashily, uh, if that's a word with uh, with with uh, wacky and, and and outlandish and and sort of striking team names uh, and color schemes for their uh, for their uniforms and and the logos and and the and the art. Uh, uh, you know, and the iconography that have gone with them. Uh, our guest today is a gentleman by the name of Wayland Moore. And if that name is familiar to you, 
uh, and hopefully by the end of this episode, it will be. Uh, you will know him as uh, quite a famous and uh, well-regarded artist uh, in, in a lot of different media uh, over, over time in his uh, almost now seven-decade career. And uh, there's uh, a lot of work that Waylon Moore uh, has done in the realm of sports, some of which you probably don't recognize. Uh, but uh, in specific uh, uh, interest, uh, of specific interest to us in this conversation, uh, are some of the iconic work that he did with the Atlanta Chiefs of the original North American Soccer League. Uh, Waylon Moore was the designer of the original Atlanta Chiefs logo. Uh, and some of the original art that sort of surrounded that team back in the late 60s uh, when the NASL was formed sort of as a marriage of convenience between the uh, United Soccer Association and the NPSL. We've uh, devoted a couple of uh, conversations to that in the past. Um, but probably more famously, uh, two other sort of areas of sport and art uh, that Mr. Moore was part of, one of which was uh, the uh, unique design for the Atlanta Braves, uh, of the National League, and uh, in particular in the Hall of Fame, and yes, you can go up there in Cooperstown and find it, uh, the uniform, uh, frankly, specifically designed with the event in mind of Hank Aaron's eventual uh, breaking of Babe Ruth's home run record. So the uniform that he was wearing at that time and uh, the promotional minds of the Atlanta Braves at the time in, in, uh, in cahoots with Mr. Moore uh, created the design uh, elements so that uh, not only that moment could be uh, – uh, forever remembered, but also to modernize uh, in a unique way the Atlanta Braves franchise, which was uh, not only ascendant, but uh, obviously uh, going to a whole nother level uh, with Hank Aaron and uh, his exploits uh, in the mid to late 1970s. Uh, but uh, for our soccer friends out there, um, there's another sort of part of uh, Waylon Moore's history, and that is he was the uh, designer of the uh, original and uh, still, uh, in many respects, still ongoing and uh, lively logo of the New York Cosmos, arguably the um, the most successful and uh, memorable team in the uh, brief history of the North American Soccer League. So uh, at that, an iconic logo, uh, if there ever was one in the NASL, that being of the New York Cosmos. And uh, so we get into all of those things in our, in our very interesting uh, and uh, somewhat surprising conversation with uh, artist uh, extraordinaire Wayland Moore uh, in a couple of seconds, so stay tuned, please. SportsHistoryCollectibles.com seems to be an appropriate sponsor, I think, for this episode because you may actually find some of Mr. Moore's work uh, either in a program or in a media guide. I'm sure there's a couple of things in there uh, that you will find among a, a zillion other uh, cool uh, artifacts uh, and memories and, and memorabilia. Uh, SportsHistoryCollectibles.com is the place to go to check out uh, various programs and guides and buttons and uh, posters and uh, yeah, playing cards. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different form factors there. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, if you go to sportshistorycollectibles.com, you find something you like or some things you like, make sure that when you're checking out, you use that special promo code. Of course, you should know by now that's good seats. The promo code is good seats, and you're going to get 15% off your purchases at the site. That's sportshistorycollectibles.com. Go there early, go there often, and make sure you make some purchases uh, and use that discount of good seats at checkout. Okay, so let's uh, segue into our uh, surprisingly interesting uh, and a bit diversionary, but uh, fun nonetheless, conversation uh, with artist, a sports artist in particular, 
Waylon Moore. Please, as always, enjoy. So why don't we start with your journey as an artist, right? Because uh, obviously I do want to get to the uh, the sports element of it. But before we even get there, I'll when, include yeah, that. yeah. When, when did you when did you you know kind of when when were your inklings about wanting to pursue art as a career? And maybe you can give our audience a bit of a sense of sort of how you uh, you know got to positions in say pro sports that uh, uh, helped you and enabled you to create some some truly memorable pieces of pieces of work. Well, you know. It, uh, we all start out in about the uh, first, second, third grade, and they, the teacher gives us crayons, and we start drawing. And uh, as I, I tell people today, and I am a, I'm 82 years old, and I said, well, I never put my crayons down. But along with that, I stand uh, six foot four, and I played sports. I played football, I played basketball, track. And But at the same time, my parents, uh, I wanted to take art lessons. And so while I was in high school, uh, I took art lessons. Well, then the day came that, uh, and this was in the 50s. So the day came that I, uh, I received some scholarships and uh, to play football. Well, I wanted to be an artist. And my dad, of course, back then, he owned his own businesses. And he wanted me to play football. Well, I turned it down, and I went to college, but I majored uh, I majored in art, which I'm so glad I did. And uh, so after uh, graduating from the Ringland College of Art in Sarasota, Florida, um, I, of course, you, you have to, I was married, and you have to, you know, earn a living. I mean, you can't start as in and paint a, quote, a painting and say, okay, now somebody come and buy it. So uh, I started out in uh, an ad agency. Uh, I, was in, I was a television artist. I was a newspaper artist. And, uh, but little by little, um, I let go and I went out on my own. And uh, then I started. And uh, so the first thing, of course, was uh, sports art, because I would I felt I knew sports, and uh, so I guess I've covered uh, most major sporting events. And just to give you an idea of uh, some of the things, I'm the charter artist for the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. I've done the first thirty portraits, and uh, I'm the guy that designed Hank Aaron's uniform that he broke uh, broke Babe Ruth's record. In. Uh, and uh, I go from something like that. I, uh, uh, I've covered the Long, Long Beach Grand Prix. Uh, um, uh, I've, I've done the, uh, made, uh, the 100 Years logo for Madison Square Garden. Now, the Chiefs, uh, I was involved with the Chiefs when they started out way back when here in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, so I was friends with Phil Wisdom and uh, uh, Vic, Vic Rouse and all of them. And so we put, and when I say we, uh, because I'm the type of guy that I get, I get involved. I don't stand back. And not only do I get involved with the art, but with the business aspect of it. So we got, you know, we got the Atlanta Chiefs 
going, and we just had, we had a great time. And, uh, well, actually, you know, Waylon, uh, but before before we go we go further there, let let's uh, let's uh, step back and remind our audience here. So, um, yeah. th- there were two incarnations of the Atlanta Chiefs, and I think you're referring to the original one to start, at least the original, yeah, right, which was in. Uh, and we've done a couple of shows around the old North American Soccer League, and actually the the two leagues that preceded okay. it. So we're really talking about what the late 1960s, right? When a whole uh, the late 60s. Yep. This was the first one. Yep. And, and a whole and a whole bunch right. of folks were uh, you know well moneyed uh, investors, if you will, and, and sports right. people right. were trying to ba- bring this uh, this uh, supposedly uh, uh, intriguing and uh, exciting sport of soccer to the United States, really in earnest for the first time professionally. Yes, and uh, because see, at that time, uh, very few uh, children in Atlanta, Georgia, played soccer. They knew nothing about it. So we started to use soccer when the Chiefs got here, and the uh, Chiefs got involved uh, with uh, those of us. Uh, and I had uh, two boys and a daughter that played soccer, and two of them went on to uh, play soccer in college. They got a um, scholarship. And my oldest son, uh, he's now, I think, 56 or something, but he went to Hartwick College in upstate New York and. uh I think his second year there, they won the um, championship. And uh, so uh, soccer has been a part of me personally all my life. And uh, so today we have our soccer, new soccer team. And, uh, uh, you know, we we fill the stands. I think we're number one as far as um, drawing fans. Well, sure. The, the Atlanta United today, right? I mean, if you were... Thinking back to 1967 or 1968 uh-huh. or so, when the original Chiefs were were born, could you ever have imagined uh, uh, soccer being such a huge uh, a, a draw in 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 Atlanta uh, these days? No, no, because uh, you know I was a little league soccer coach like everybody, because I had kids in school. I knew nothing about soccer, and so we all had to learn basically. <laughs> from the ground up. And uh, so uh, today, the reason we fill the stands is those are parents in those stands today that were kids, you know, uh, years ago in the 60s. Uh, and uh, that's the way it goes. And so now we can, so now, you know, uh, soccer is a big thing. It's, it's exciting to watch. I love it. And, uh, and I've, of course, attended soccer matches uh uh, in England and France and a few other places, but the uh, and then one day I get a call from a guy named uh, Clive Toy. Clive was with the beginning New York Cosmos, and he asked me, he said, "Waylon, will you uh, design our logo?" And he came to Atlanta. We sat and we talked, and he tried to he explained roughly. Uh, his input, and then I put my input, and needless to say, today, the New York Cosmos logo is logo is still alive and well, and that they still have an office in New York, because I get a call from them ever, ever so often. But with with sports, uh, I, I you know I think back, I'd walk into those locker rooms where it'd be soccer, football, you name it, and I don't care what age. Of where you are, if there if a, if a grown man is standing there sketching, 
And uh, the difference between a sports artist and an artist, another artist, a landscape artist or whatever, a sports artist has to master the figure because he has to draw the figure fast and uh, and, the, and in many places. And uh, so anyway, the uh, uh, I go in these locker rooms and I, I stand there and I start st- uh, sketching and it won't be 10 minutes until three or four are around me. And of course, see, one of the questions I get, Tim, uh, and I love it, they'll say, as they're standing next to my elbow, they'll say, did you draw that? And I said, I hope so. <laughs> and uh, everything, every place I've been, is, uh, it's always on commission from some company or, uh, in most cases, uh, you know, large companies. Well, let's you know, let's let's talk about so commission. Let's talk about the commission then. That uh, let's back up to the to to that time with the the early Atlanta Chiefs. How did you uh, how did you come across uh, this fledgling group of professional soccer uh, enthusiasts, so to speak? And and how did you meet Phil Woosnam and and walk us through sort of the conversation that uh, first of all, how did you meet yeah. and then and then how did he how did he convince you to to take part in in being part of this team? Well, I, I guess uh, one of the names that we, you, uh, Tim, you should uh, put down is Dick Cecil. Now, Dick was the president of the Braves back then, and he was over. He was over at my studio here just a week or so ago, and he's a great guy. Well, he's the guy that uh, started pull, that pulled the Chiefs together, and uh, because the Braves wanted to start a soccer team, and so Dick started that. Dick Cecil, and uh, Dick and I are good friends. We have been for many, many years, and so that's all. That's the way it started from my end, because Dick himself had uh, sons the same age as mine, and uh, so uh, that's how we got started, and uh, we just we just grew from there. So was was the team named at that point, or was that still under under consideration and? Under consideration. Okay. Uh, what, do you remember you any? Know, I don't. Do you remember any of the other uh, other names that were being bandied about at the time, by any chance? Uh, no, because uh, I, I never asked Dick where did the word Chiefs come from. Uh, just in our conversation one day, it appeared. So that I can't answer uh, how the name arrived. But we got everything done. We put the team on the field uh, and. Uh, we just had a ball. Now, uh, our goalie, Vic Rouse, I still keep in touch with him. Uh, he went back to uh, London, and for a number of years, he coached the, uh, in London the, the police soccer team for a number of, a number of years. So I, I stay in, in touch with Vic. And some of the others have retired to Atlanta, and they live here. We must have at least six or eight that stayed here in Atlanta. Do you remember, do you remember sort of the, uh, the approach you, you considered or went through the process you thought through when, um, when you knew the team's name was chiefs and, and, and your approach, because, you know, the, uh, the coloring uh, and the iconography, uh, you know, is, is still quite stunning today. I mean, you think back and into, you know, the late Uh, sixties, but, but but it also, Uh, it also held up well, when it was reincarnated, I guess, back in the seventies. But I, I'm just curious as to how did you, how did you come up with sort of with the coloring scheme and and what was your mindset by coming up with sort of the iconography uh, 
for, for the you chiefs. Know, that uh, can't be answered because of the creative process uh, is the most amazing thing. Uh, you sit there, you do scribbles with color and everything, and little by little in your mind, uh, these colors begin to intensify or just fade away entirely. And you know, no, I don't like those, or your mind is telling you, I don't like those. And the creative mind is this, it's amazing how it works. And then little by little, on your paper in front of you, something begins to appear from your hand and your mind that you become, to a, to a great degree, satisfied with as far as presentation to whoever you're doing this job for. And uh, so uh, that's the way it begins. There's no step one, two, or three. And uh, now, like the uh, the uh, the Cosmos logo took took a while because the uh, of all of the, the input that we wanted to put into that. So that one's is hard to come up with. And of course, I uh, you know I uh, teach a uh, class in art here at Emory University uh, in the evening. I even have doctors taking my art class in the evening at the Emory here from time to time. Yeah, so let's let's uh, let's get into so so obviously Clive Toy uh, came into contact with you because of your work with the Chiefs, I'm assuming, and because yeah, of right, Phil's right. because of Phil Woosnam's right. budding Woosnam. sort of yeah uh, growth, I guess, in terms of his uh, his chores. Right, he wasn't just running the Chiefs; he was basically right. became the commissioner of the league very quickly. Uh, and I'm sure he recommended you to Clive to, but maybe you can walk, put us in the room there as you were sort of thinking through. So you said he gave you some input and you had some input, but. Uh, yeah, Clive was sitting here in, uh, in my studio. And uh, so what I do is if, if someone wants a uh, logo or something, I let them talk until they've talked out. And they realize that uh, they can go only so far because they know that you know, I, I, for lack of a better word, I'm the image maker. So they throw all of that at me, and then I sit here, and I take their good points, their bad points, their great points, and, and I start putting them on paper. And if we discussed maybe, we'll say, six or eight colors, and I'll put those colors down, then I'll start playing with those colors. But in the, in the case of uh, uh, the Cosmos, Clive said, uh, uh, Waylon, we want to uh, we want the Brazilian colors. And uh, I said, okay, and what are they? They're green and yellow or whatever. So we took those colors, and I forget now how we uh, rearranged those, and we ended up getting a logo that everyone liked. Now, why, why, do, you think, why do you think Brazilian colors? Do you think he had an inkling that uh, he was going to go after sort of the, uh, the grand prize, I guess, of international soccer stars in Pele? Or was that sort yep. of just a, an inclination? Pele eventually ended up playing for the Cosmos for a while. Yeah. So what was so what what was your inspiration? I mean, the name Cosmos was to, obviously shortened for Cosmopolitans, right? Well, it, it, uh, they came up with that. The Cosmos, I guess, uh, Clive Toy and some others, because when he came to me, he already had the name, of course, and then uh, it was up to me to. Uh, you know, put it in a in a some type of design that everyone uh, enjoyed and liked, so to speak. I hate to put the, that word like, but anyway, Phil Wisdom, for instance, he was a great guy. I was the type of guy that 
I got to know these people and uh, uh, visited these people because uh, I think I said earlier that, uh, uh, you know, I'm a listener and a soul giver and a adventurer, and I just enjoy, uh, you know, my world of art, uh, whether it be sports or landscapes or portraits or whatever. Okay, friends, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to quickly remind you that today's episode of Good Seat Still Available is brought to you by our friends at Audible, the premier provider of digital audiobooks with over 180,000 titles to choose from in just about every genre you could think of. Audible titles play on iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices and MP3 players for listening anytime, anywhere. And for a limited time, my audience can listen to a free download of any book that they choose, as well as get a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com slash goodseats. That's audibletrial.com slash goodseats. And you can choose from over 180,000 titles, as we said, including uh, one that I'm listening to right now. It's called The 10-Gallon War by John Eisenberg. That's the story of the NFL's Cowboys, the AFL's Texans, and the feud for Dallas's pro football future. Um, another one on my list, which I have yet to download, but is on my queue, uh, that could be interesting to our audience here is called the national forgotten league by Dan Daly, entertaining stories and observations from pro football's first 50 years. Those are just two of the many thousands of titles to choose from and not just in sports history, but you name the genre that uh, you might want to listen to and audible's got it by the way, two, uh, two guests perhaps that we'll have on the show hopefully sometime soon. But again, go to audibletrial.com slash goodseats for your free 30-day trial as well as your free audiobook download to try it out for yourself. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash goodseats. And now, back to our conversation. You ever see any of your? Uh, you ever see any of your Chiefs uh, logos or Cosmos logos uh, in your world travels? Uh, does uh, they ever surprise you and sort of pop uh, up? You know, it's amazing you say that. And I don't know how far I should go on this, but the Cosmos logo—they—they um, they call me ever so often because I do believe, uh, and I'm not bragging. I'm—it hurts me, but uh, that logo is picked up. Uh, by a number of teams, uh, and uh, they told me this, and they have to, you know, go after them. You can't use our logo. But uh, I know the last one, it was uh, some team in Russia. You know, they have to keep an eye on the logos because even even my work, I'll end up like, for instance, I uh, was having uh, lunch one day and at the uh, golf club, not here, not here. and... Uh, I walked in, I had a seat uh, with some other guys, and staring at me beneath my plate was a paper mat with my art on it of a golfer and all this bit. So I called the general manager over and I said, how did this happen? And uh, they looked and said, oh, well, we liked it and we used it. So uh, an artist, when I draw something, it's copyrighted. But some of it I have to get copyrighted because I'll get uh, calls from the West Coast where, uh, you know, you uh, I saw your work and uh, someone else is using it and stuff like this. 
I know when I was at uh, the heights of my profession, uh, I had to maintain a law firm uh, because of stuff like that, because I felt like, well, we're just going to use it on a poster and uh, stuff of this, this nature. Well, actually, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting point that I, I did want to bring up with you, and that is, so, you know, when you, when you talk about, especially with logo design, right? So I know, obviously, yep. your art is, is, is expansive and, and touches many different other forms, but, but when we think about it in sports and, and logos in particular, right, team names and logos, um, you know, I, I'm, it's my sort of recollection and understanding that a lot of, so I, I think back to the North American Soccer League, for example, right, where I think a lot of the art was sort of assigned, right, to local mm-hmm. artists, uh, at the time. And, you know, it was basically just a job. It was a gig, right? I mean, you get paid for, you know, your time and materials and they select the one that they like. And, but I assume though, that your work did not then subsequently incorporate you into a trademark or any kind of royalties, right? That, that work basically went to either the team or the league or both. Always. It always goes to the team. They pay me a, a fee to design that or paint that. Now, if they're going to reproduce posters, uh, then, of course, we have to sign that uh, they get the okay to produce X number of posters. And one of the things I'm looking at on the, in the studio wall here, because I pulled it out, is uh, back in 1980 at the uh, Lake Placid uh, Winter Olympics, uh, uh, I was uh, commissioned to go there and cover the, uh, uh, the hockey and so I have pulled the uh, hockey team jumping up and down in the, the American flag that be, beat Russia. And uh, that's uh, coming up for sale. And uh, along with that, I did a single figure with his hands in the air, USA, and a flag in the background. And we did uh, X number of prints, uh, you know, on that. But I guess the first, the first major piece, Tim, I did was uh, Billie Jean King and uh, Bobby Riggs. Yeah, it was the match, the match of the century, right? Match of the century. And uh, the Astrodome um, hired me, and I think ABC hired uh, Neiman, and uh, we both met together down there. And I did the uh, painting of uh, Riggs and uh, uh, Billie Jean King, and uh, so that was used on the program. And then it, uh, when she won... Uh, not only did she get oodles of other things, but they also gave her the painting. I guess that was one of the first biggies that uh, I did. And, you know, um, hot air ballooning in New Mexico. Uh, gosh, it goes on. And uh, painting in Africa and uh, you name it. And uh, it just it, it, sometimes it doesn't seem to want to stop. Not even, uh, yeah, in your in your sports yeah. in your sports stuff, did you ever have? Um, was there? A, I'm assuming there was kind of maybe a friendly or maybe not so friendly rivalry with Leroy Neiman. Clearly, you know another sports artist of that era, right? Uh, Where... Well, it never was on my side, but uh, and, and what I'm going to tell you is a, is the truth. And uh, so when we went to the Riggs King match, um, we met and we had lunch together and. Uh, uh, so my wife was there. So one morning, uh, Neiman and my wife had breakfast together. And I'm the type of artist that uh, I believe in promotional pieces. So I have all my life, and I've got all kinds. And 
and interviews, you know, you name it. But anyway, I had a brochure at that time, and I gave it to Neiman. Well, little, little did I realize, about three or four years later, something, something like that, one day I get a call from the company he was with uh, that he covered sports with them. They did limited edition prints. And it's a lady that owns the company, and she called me, and she said, uh, Mr. Moore, can I come to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and talk with you? And I said, for what reason? And uh, she said, when Leroy got back from the Billy G. King and the Riggs match, he threw your brochure on my desk and said, here are some ones trying to imitate me. Well, I wasn't trying to imitate him. That's the way I paint. I paint loose. And uh, so she said, I stuck it in my my drawer. And then uh, the two of them at that time, I think, had strained relations and... uh, so he left or she let him go one or the other. So she came to Atlanta, and we signed a contract for seven years. And uh, so anyway, that's the way it started for me in New York. And, and in the summer, uh, part of the company was in Paris. And in the summer, I would go there. And so I had a great time. Uh, it opened uh, a lot of doors for me. And uh, so anyway, that's the way it started there. But uh and poor Leroy, they, uh, uh, I think two years ago, two or three years ago, he passed. And uh, But I never had, you know, strained relationships with him. And uh, but uh, that's a, that's the way it ended up. No, that's that's so so that, that that's very interesting. Of course, uh, if anybody you know is a fan of say, including of course the North American Soccer League during the seventies, right? Uh-huh. I mean, you you saw a lot of of paintings and 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 artwork and lithographs. Uh, that sure. were from both of you, frankly, uh, and that's that's a pretty yeah. interesting. So uh, I would remind our audience, you know, uh, we're going to put up some uh, some of your imagery on our website uh, once this uh, episode posts. Okay. But okay. Uh, you know, on, on WaylandMoore dot com. Yeah, it's uh, WaylandMoore W A Y L A N D Moore dot com or Sketchbook dash Images dot com. And we'll we'll put those up on the on the website as well. So let me let's go back for a second to um, to the soccer stuff because obviously that's uh, you know we we're, it's our want here is to sort of focus on yeah, sure. on these teams and whatnot. Um, so the, you're mentioning the Chiefs, you're mentioning the the Cosmos. We we already uh, get a sense that the trademark is uh, is uh, the trademarks for both of those are are successful. They're out there. I guess it's yeah. it's sort of a double edged sword, right? You're you're sort of seeing these. These logos and these uh, on the uniforms and in the, in the marketing materials, and it's got to be great for the soul, right? Because you're seeing your work getting out there, right, yeah. and publicized and 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 widely so, uh, especially with the Cosmos, for God's sakes, right? But but also there's got to be a tinge of regret or I don't know missed opportunity, maybe obvious now in today's modern day pro sports uh, machinery. But you know, have you ever thought about, gee, wow, if, if you would ever retain somehow the trademark and, and and the value of of those especially that of the cosmos what that could have meant for you financially or is it just just water under the no, bridge no that was just that's a, that's the way it was back then and uh as the cosmos grew so did i but uh an interesting thing you know all of this stuff for instance i'm i know that hanging on my wall over here when the uh, new york islanders hockey team won uh some years ago uh, I was up, and I had to uh, cover the event with a large painting with them winning, uh, the Islanders. And uh, so they sent me a shirt, 
uh, hockey shirt, and on the back is more and number one. So, you know, you you end up, uh, my wife tells me, she said, well, you know, well, what are you going to do with all this stuff? But I get my calls now at my age from dealers from all over, uh, even as far away as uh, London, uh, wanting to know. Uh, they said, you know, you're getting older. Uh, but the ladies was from New York. Uh, a few months ago, I had uh, one to uh, arrive and walk, and I he wanted to come to my studio, and so I invited him, and uh, we're sitting here, and I had heard this is happening now, Tim. He looked around, and he said, Mr. Moore, I think I would like to buy everything in this studio, including the easel, your paint tray, and everything. Well, you know, and I know he did when he said everything, he didn't mean everything. Just everything, but uh, what was what's happening now is I have read where uh, they buy the artist's easel and chairs and stuff like this, and then they put the art they get around that to intensify, hopefully, the sales. That you know, here is here's his real palette and here's his real easel, <laughs> stuff like that. But uh, so I said, no, it's uh, it's not for sale yet because when it's you know, it's one of those things that, in my heart, I still have the same joy I had with that crayon when I was in grade school. But uh, I am a businessman because my dad owned his own businesses, and that's one of the things I speak on today to to other artists. I said, you know, you artists are great, but you're not much of a businessman. And um, I said, a painting will not sell sitting up uh, against uh, your studio wall. It's got to be out there in galleries and exhibits. And uh, so I said, just keep that in mind, because it's it's surprising the number of artists I meet. Uh, and I'm talking about all the way up to 50 years old. Uh, they don't know how to sell their work. They'll say, well, I'll, uh, this gallery, it's got my work. And I said, well, how long has your work been on the wall in that gallery? Well, it's been there about uh, four months, six months. I said, anything happened? Not yet. I said, then you should change some pieces. Yeah, I'm going on off on another tangent. No, this is this is good. I, you know, I actually was going to go back. I, I was, I keep coming back to these logos, and 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 here's what I fear, uh, and and I have I've yet to have further. You know, you're our first real sort of uh, artist and 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 designer, and 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 I'd like to get involved with a few more uh, of those uh, in our in our uh, journeys in our podcast journeys going forward. But um, I, I, you know, I what I see and what I worry about is. Um, some of these great logos and 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 team colors and and imagery, uh, essentially being uh, uh, falling, I guess, uh, uh, you know, into uh, disrepair or, um, in essence, trademarks being expired and others uh, buying them and using them to uh, look create T-shirts and create pennants and and things from you know years and years ago where these logos were you know formally trademarked uh, and frankly from from artists, uh, working artists and designers uh, that were just fulfilling fulfilling a job. And and here they are, you know, years and years later, um, you know, seeing all this work sort of being reproduced uh, 
uh, and uh, apparently legally because the trademarks expired, somebody else found them. And I see this right. with with a lot of t- defunct uh, teams and leagues, right? Certainly, and I've been a lifelong you know Cosmos yeah. and NASL fan for you know for, for since I was a kid. You know, to see some yeah. of the Cosmos are different, right? But but a lot of these other logos, and perhaps the Chiefs, for for all I know. Have fallen into sort of a public domain, and or as far as I know, I don't know. I don't have any idea where the Chiefs logo ended up. You know, but uh, you 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 are right because uh, you know time marches on, as they say. But uh, one of the things I have done, and uh, because I have a number of writer friends, I've got uh, a number of books uh, laid out. Uh, when I was telling you about portrait artists and sports and adventure and landscapes, I've got probably six or eight books already laid out that, uh, you know, when I say goodbye, uh, then they're open for, uh, uh, they can be, you know, published or whatever, just to, you know, try to save some of this stuff. And uh, then some I will uh, uh, donate to, uh, meaning, uh, because uh, I, I do a lot of poetry. You just have to see it to believe it. But my university, uh, they've asked to, uh, you know, to give them so much of my paper material, and uh, I will give them, uh, you know, a number of paintings, too, as I go along. But Well, and, you know, I, some of those paintings, though, I, um, and again, I want to back, go back to sort of uh, the Chiefs and, and the Atlanta Braves, obviously, that you were doing work with, right? So uh, you were also involved in uh, creating a lot of artwork for things like the programs and yearbooks and and other sort of related things that are promotionally oriented for both the Chiefs and the Braves, correct? Uh, yeah, the uh, one of the things that when I went out on my own, uh, and then one day I get a, a, a call uh, from Dick Cecil, and uh, he said, Waylon, um, said, uh, would you consider some space here with us on the mezzanine level in the Atlanta Braves office. And uh, you can do work for other clubs after you finish hours. And uh, and he was talking about, you know, programs and stuff like this. So I did. I took uh, space out there with Atlanta Braves, and I was known as the graphics director and uh, of the Braves. That's the way I... Uh, uh, I worked out there, I think it was three years. The thing would get people is they'd walk into my studio, and I was in the Braves compound there, and maybe I would be working on some other club with a piece of art. And uh, then it ended up I had other clubs calling me, meaning uh, their graphics people. Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do this month? I mean, you know, this year, uh, as far as uh, the Braves stuff. But I've done a lot of covers for the Braves and, uh, and of course, covers for, for other clubs and such. Did that, and, inclu- uh, did that also include uh, uh, the latter uh, Atlanta Chiefs of the late 70s when the no, team was reincarnated? No, no. no it's, uh, uh, we didn't have it at that time. There was no, no soccer. But the Chiefs came back, though, in late 19, I guess, 79, 1980. Uh, did, they, uh, did they call you again, or, or did they just borrow... Uh, the previous work that you had used before. Yeah, they borrowed the, the, the previous. So we, we didn't uh, use that. I mean, you know, all I did was the, uh, uh, it was just baseball because that's all we had. It, uh, I think it was from 1970 to 
73, someplace right in there. Because I was there when uh, Hank Aaron was on his way to breaking Babe Ruth's record. And so that's the reason I got involved with all that. Well, let's let's also talk about that, too, because that's another sort of palette for you, right, was was actual uniform yeah. design, right? I'm assuming that uh, with the Braves that you were involved in that process. I, I suspect you were you were or you were not on the Chiefs as well in terms of their color scheme and all that stuff. I don't remember if I've got the color scheme, but I I think I was. It wasn't anything that stood out in my mind. But the redesign yeah, of the, the the redesign of the Braves uniforms, though, that was indeed pretty significant, right back in the time. I oh yeah, yeah. Well, it did, uh, uh, ended up in the Baseball Hall of Fame as far as Aaron's uniform was concerned. And uh, but they asked me, they said, could you design a uniform to highlight when Aaron breaks Babe Ruth's record? So I started designing, and uh, this uh, company would, you know, I'd send them in, they'd make one, and the whole bit, and then we'd come back, and i rearrange and change some stuff. And uh, so my two models at that time was Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews. And I've got pictures of both of them, you know, posing at the stadium with my uh, uniform. But to sit there, and the night he broke the record, and I'm sitting there with the rest of the people, and uh, there was a great joy to know that, you know, he was running around the bases with my art, so to speak. And only another artist would understand that. And uh, Hank's, a, he was a, Hank's a great guy, and uh, that was fun. Well, it, and, uh, it also strikes me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost feels to me yeah. like that's, a, that's sort of almost a living, breathing uh, sketch pad, if you will, or, or, oh, or canvas, was. right? It I mean, these are, these are logos, these are colors, these are design, uniform elements, that are on living, breathing human beings uh, that yeah. are performing yeah. at the highest level, as well as, uh, you know, in various forms of media so that are being seen literally by millions of people in the case of Henry Aaron, right? You know, millions of people all over the world. It's got to be quite quite something for to, to sort of see all that and recognize that, you know, you're basically part of those moments just as much as the players are. You know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, uh, you know, when I start through my uh, photographs and— uh, People don't believe that when they go through, see these photographs. They say, "There's no way," because you know there's movie stars in there, and on. Uh, well, I'll do, I did things like, for instance, uh, this one uh, hotel called and said uh, we're having uh, uh, Bob Hope and uh, in for the uh, weekend. Uh, can we commission you to sketch uh, Bob while he, we, you know, they have the, the function? So while they were having. Uh, cocktails, uh, I walked up and I met Bob Hope and I told him what I was going to do. And so I started sketching, moving around. And and from time to time, he'd walk up. He said, let's see what you got. Because, you know, I did oh, eight or 10 sketches of him and, you know, talking to people and stuff like that. And then the uh, this hotel framed them later. But uh, see, a lot of artists, not, not a lot, but Quite a few, most of them that I meet, uh, they can't, they get up tight when they're around a lot of activity. And uh, meaning, they, you know, it is much better when you're sitting here painting at the easel and got soft music going, and like I do a lot now. And, uh, but when you're, when you're out there and when you're in the stands or LA Coliseum 
uh, I was covering the, uh, what, 84 Olympics for Coca-Cola. And, uh, I mean, you're there, and you're doing, uh, you're doing your sketching, you're doing your painting, and, and you're running over here, and uh, uh, you're doing the swimming. But I've got people that make sure they get me to these places. And um, then when it was here in Atlanta, I uh, was commissioned by a large company here to cover the uh, Atlanta Olympics in '96, uh, and they wanted a book. So I hired a rider and a driver. And I told this driver, I said, now you can go any place. And they gave me uh, all the credentials to hang on the car. And this guy driving had, I took a while to get him, you know, situated because he couldn't understand you know we drive into the stadium and almost drive out on the field and i'd get out and do some sketches and i'd come back and the writer would be you know writing taking notes he said well the event's not over i said i'm not here to observe the event i'm here to cover it and i said let's go i need to go to the the, the next one and so you're, you're moving fast and uh that's gets the grain of most most artists and then uh, I, I'll do things like uh, I'm in Europe and I'm painting a landscape and I'm out in this field. And uh, this one figure guy walks up across the field, walks up to me, and he's looking at what I'm painting. He's a Frenchman. And he asked, he said, did you paint that? And uh, I just died laughing. And I said, who else is around? But, I, you know, you get some great feedback. And I've covered the space launch and... Uh, Gosh, and goes on and on. But uh, well, let me let me. Then, uh, so I this has been yeah. this has been a great conversation. I appreciate all this time and and your 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 recollections of all this. Well, let me ask you. Let me oh, end oh, sort of with this one, with this sort of one question. And I I think this is something yeah. that that uh, listeners in our audience will probably have sort of the same thing. And I I, I so when they see you know Cosmos uh, you know. Uh, T-shirts, and or or for or more specifically, they see the original logo of the Atlanta Chiefs on T-shirts that are sold today. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. What What would I mean? You know, what What do you recommend? Do we buy those shirts and 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 enjoy and and revel in that great I iconography? Okay. Or or is it kind of really unfair and maybe something we shouldn't do, given the fact that you're not benefiting from from your from your artwork. No, no, no. No, I knew go I knew going in and that's the way we priced it. And uh, no, by all means buy them. So even today I I run into this periodically. They'll have a t-shirt and they'll would you sign it for me and I'll sign it and uh, stuff like that. But uh, it, it's all, you know, like I said earlier, it's 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 all business and I know it going in and uh, you know and I think I'm covered uh, but I don't get I don't get uh, royalties. No, it would be nice, but uh, uh, I'm satisfied with the way it turned out because the, uh, we all have a fee, and uh, the thing that gets you to uh, Tim is I don't like to be in the same room when some of my work is auctioned off because it gets my heart beating a little fast, and uh, <laughs> and but. The, because even sometimes I don't believe it, to tell you the truth. Well, uh, but, uh, I, maybe, maybe the last thought would be, so and that's, that's interesting too, because, right, the, the sort of world of art and commerce, right? I mean, you started in advertising, right, which is probably the, uh, the, the most easy way, I guess, for a fledgling artist who 
you know, wants to get a, a decent and real job and, and sort of gets exposed to it. But it, it's a messy relationship, right, between art and commerce. And I think, you know, it goes yeah. right down yeah. even to the individual level, right, like you're describing, where, you know, your pride and your passion and your feelings and, and all of it are expressed in what you're you're creating. And then it almost has to get, I don't want to say sullied, but you've got sort of the the other sort of other issue of, well, gee, you know, it wouldn't be bad if it actually made a few bucks and, you know, kept the lights on for another month, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like that uh, when I uh, tell these artists, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, when you sell a piece of art, that if you're, if you're bringing the money in, you've got enough, you got to have enough to buy groceries and uh, keep the lights on and all that. And because it's, it's hard for an artist to let go of a piece of art for sale without they're doing a commission. But you've got to realize, hey, uh, I'm, I'm in this because I enjoy it. I'm, this is a business at the same time, and you've got to put it out there for sale. Uh, I even lost a gallery in, uh, in uh, Chicago. The owner called me after about uh, three or four years, and, uh, and I sold a lot of work up there. And he called me one day, and he said, uh, Waylon said, uh, we're going to have to stop doing business with you. And I said, for what reason? He said, you're too much of a businessman. I said, well, thank you very much. Because, the, uh, you know, some galleries, uh, they'll sell your work and forget to send the money uh, soon. They kind of wait until uh, maybe they have to get a call from you. Well, but speaking anyway, speaking of speaking of business, how do we uh, how how can our listeners besides going to your websites uh, for for the basics? How can they find, mm-hmm. discover, perhaps even purchase, uh, to the extent that they're still out there, uh, some of your finer works, say, in the realms of uh, soccer or, or the Braves or the Chiefs or, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the tennis match of, uh, just, of all tennis uh, matches, just, et cetera? Just, yeah, just email me, and uh, I'll have uh, someone to go through the uh, storage of the ones that uh, I've got and— uh, see what I have that uh, and then what I do is I turn around and I send them a copy of it so they get to see right off uh, not only what it looks like but the price of it and everything so well I'll tell you uh, what I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna email you then uh, about uh, in particular some of the uh, to see if you have any uh, Atlanta Chiefs uh, artwork in particular um, okay. which I'd love to, to, to go on. But um, so uh, why don't you, if you're, you're comfortable, either I, I can pass on your email if people reach out to me, or would you like to publicize that here now, or just have them go to the website, whatever you'd like? Uh, you can publicize it now and go to the website also. All right. So why don't you tell and, our audience where those websites and that email address in case people uh, want to discover. Okay. My uh, website is Wayland Moore, uh, W-A-Y-L-A-N-D, Moore, M-W-R-E, dot com. Or sketchbook dash images dot com. Uh, my email is sketchpad two, as in the number two, at bellsouth dot net. That's terrific. And friends, you're going to find a, a you know a, a mere uh, sampling of of some of the work that uh, that Waylon Moore has done. Is obviously not just in the realm of of sports, and that's obviously the reason why uh, we reached out to have a conversation. Uh, but, you know, Waylon Morris is, is truly uh, the epitome of a renaissance man, especially in the artistic world. And uh, you will see probably, uh, e- even just on those websites, you will see probably an image or two that you probably remember in some way, shape, or form from 
from your travels. And um, and it's, I think it's really, uh, really, really interesting to to connect with. And again, you're our first, uh, you know, uh, artist, graphic designer, logo creator, you know, people who are part of or have been part of the iconography of some of these teams and leagues, et cetera, uh, that we uh, we finally remember. And I think, you know, it's again, it's lost on. I don't think we, you know, most fans uh, or historians kind of spend a whole lot of time sort of focusing on this. But you do you do you have to think about it. Right. And that that, you know, people are fans of teams and the cities. But, you know, how is that manifest? It's in logos. It's in the uniforms. It's in the the artwork and in the the memorabilia and the the programs and the guides and all those kinds of things. Those are those are how that the, those memories uh, live on and the and the uh, photography and the imagery and you know art is part of that right art without without art you don't have anything to kind of uh, uh, colorfully remember and, and recollect on and that's uh, I think that's why uh, a conversation like this has been uh, very very interesting and intriguing to me at least I've thoroughly uh, enjoyed our conversation Tim and I hope in some way that uh, I've created another uh, little artist growing up out there and uh, because it's a great world and. A lot of fun. All right, there it is. Uh, another uh, interesting journey conversationally, uh, this time with uh, Mr. Whalen Moore, who we thank uh, profusely uh, for joining us from his uh, studio in the Atlanta area. And uh, I uh, do want to make sure that you uh, you know where to find Whalen's work. Uh, and uh, that is in the following place. That's waylandmore.com. Waylandmore.com. It's W-A-Y-L-A-N-D-Moore, M-O-O-R-E.com. Uh, and uh, Whalen's uh, email address, as he mentioned, uh, is sketchpad2, the number two, at bellsouth.net. Sketchpad2 at bellsouth.net. And um, besides going to his website, I would uh, urge you all uh, to just simply go to Google, uh, go Google Images or any other image uh, sort of uh, search uh, environment on the web and uh, type in Whalen Moore, perhaps the word sports, perhaps the word chiefs, certainly the word cosmos or soccer or tennis or, or, or Olympics. And uh, you're going to see a whole uh, a host of, of his works, uh, some of which you may remember from uh, from years gone by and uh, either uh, Whalen uh, directly via email or through some of the various galleries that uh, carry his work uh, is the place where you can sort of find and, and perhaps uh, enjoy some of his his work. And uh, I, as I mentioned in my conversation, uh, I'm going to be hitting him up for uh, any uh, and all sort of Atlanta Chiefs uh, creations that he may have uh, sitting in the, uh, in the studio somewhere that's not sort of generally available uh, and see if we can... Uh, find uh, some some nice uh, and and rare items perhaps for uh, for purchase and um, we uh, thank him uh, tremendously I uh, you know it is a uh, with mixed emotions that I uh, I asked that sort of last question about you know buying uh, some of those t-shirts that uh, are out there right where um, you know folks have essentially just uh, taken sort of from public domain uh, these uh, retired or uh, un uh, registered trademarks that uh, used to be registered but are, have now fallen into disarray or into neglect, uh, and that being in the public domain. And, and when I see those uh, Atlanta Chiefs logos, and to a lesser extent the Cosmos ones, because those are still owned and operated by the uh, current, if not dormant, uh, uh, currently now uh, uh, version of the NASL, uh, version of the Cosmos in New York. Um, but, you know, when you look at the Atlanta Chiefs logo um, and you see the original one on those 
uh, items of clothing. It's, it's, you know, he's not getting any dough for that. And uh, that's his creation. Yet, I think you heard it in his voice. Um, there's probably no better way to sort of um, uh, show some pride and, uh, and love for some of that work that he, uh, he did bring to, uh, to bear uh, for that franchise. And it's probably a really good way to sort of publicize that and, and uh, remember and, and give him some, uh, some credit, you know, albeit informally, uh, along the way by, by doing so. So uh, you have his blessing, and I guess by extension you have my blessing, so knock yourselves out uh, if you find those uh, old Atlanta Chiefs logoed T-shirts and, 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 and such. Um, you heard it from the man himself. Go buy it and, uh, and show some pride. Um, okay, so thanks so much for, uh, for listening. We want to remind you that, uh, again, uh, sportshistorycollectibles.com. Use the promo code GOODSEATS for your 15% discount. We appreciate uh, Dean Mitchell and friends uh, for letting us uh, promote that, of course. And uh, for us, make sure you go to goodseatsstillavailable.com. Uh, that's uh, our website. You're going to find all the goodness uh, that is to be had there, uh, including a link to uh, this episode. Uh, you will find uh, some uh, artwork uh, from uh, Waylon Moore uh, on that episode uh, listing. Uh, you will also find our social media feeds as well there. And uh, of course, if you want to go find us on Twitter, that's at Good Seats Still. Uh, you'll find us on uh, Instagram at Good Seats Still Available. Uh, you will find a Facebook page out there somewhere uh, devoted to us as well. You can follow us there and like us there. Uh, please, please, please rate and review us wherever you can, especially on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. That helps our algorithm a bit and uh, gets uh, more people to uh, uh, find out about our show. We appreciate that. And last but not least, uh, our friends at Podfly Productions, podfly.net. Uh, and again, if you need podcasting help, uh, production, uh, editing, uh, just frankly, what the hell to do to get started, uh, those are the folks to go to. Podfly Productions, podfly.net. And in particular, of course, this week, a tip of the hat, a tip of the cap, an Atlanta Braves cap, perhaps, uh, to uh, the good doctor, Jerry Payne, for all his efforts again this week. All right, I'm done. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you uh, in a week's time with another fun-filled episode. Who knows from what and or where, uh, but I do thank you for listening. Take care, everybody. 